0: Leadership support for More Perfect is provided by the Joyce Foundation.
1: Hey, I'm Jad Abumrad, and today not an entire More Perfect story, just something that you need to know right now. The Supreme Court's about to hear a case that apparently could turn the country's legislative maps upside down. More perfect Sean Rahm's firm is going to take it from here.
0: Hello, Jad. Hello, America. So let's start with some context. Republicans controlled a lot of legislatures in 2010. And there was also a census that year, which meant that a whole lot of Republicans got to redraw a whole lot of legislative maps. And a lot of those maps benefited Republicans. Democrats do this too, but today's case, Gil v. Whitford, is about a Republican maneuver. A map in Wisconsin where, for example, in 2012 Democrats got 53% of the vote but only 39% of the seats. And Republicans made that happen by packing Democrats into super-Democratic districts where their votes were essentially wasted, and also by cracking Democrats into mostly Republican districts where their votes were essentially wasted.
2: In a move that could have a huge bearing on the future of American politics, the Supreme Court on Monday agreed to take up an explosive case, whether lawmakers in Wisconsin's Republican-led legislature went too far in 2011 when they redrew the state's electoral map to make it harder for Democrats to win
0: legislative races. And what makes this Supreme Court case all the bigger a big deal right now is the timing.
2: This is the first time in more than a decade that it's gonna take up the question of drawing the lines for partisan gains.
0: And this is Justin Levitt. He teaches law at Loyola in Los Angeles.
2: It's going to do that right on the eve of everybody redrawing the lines everywhere. Local districts, state districts, congressional districts. After the census in 2020, all sorts of different bodies will redraw all sorts of different lines. And this case will help decide how and where.
0: And if the court can crack this nut, it'll be solving one of the biggest and baddest and oldest abuses of power in our democracy.
2: It goes back to before there was an America. So there were problems with rotten boroughs in England, uh, which were essentially districts with no people in them that nevertheless elected representatives. Hmm. In this country, in America, the allegations go and these, these are also contested all the way back. The allegations are that Patrick Henry tried to gerrymander James Madison out of the very first Congress Hmm. from seats in Virginia because he was so upset with the Constitution. The word itself comes from uh, an 1812 attempt to change the lines in Massachusetts. It is named after governor of Massachusetts, Elbridge Gerry, and if you go to Northeastern Massachusetts, they will tell you passionately that it's called a gerrymander and not a gerrymander. <laughs> um, that's something that people actually argue about.
0: Get over it, Massachusetts.
2: <laughs> so the allegations were that, that Elbridge Gerry created a district that snaked around the northern Ann suburbs, essentially. Hmm. Uh, it was ridiculed in a political cartoon at the time as looking more like a salamander than a district. Okay. And the portmanteau was born, a gerrymander.
0: And since that moment, we've been living with this unfortunate word and this unfortunate problem. And it turns out it's a really hard problem to solve. Levitt
2: says you can't just hit reset, draw some rectangles and call it a day. That's not the way people live. Nobody has ever bought a house because it fit the last perfect spot on the last perfect square grid and last perfect development in a square city, in a square county, in a square state. The way we live is sloppy and messy
1: and organic. See, that's I find that interesting because one of the one of the conversations people have about districts a lot of times is like, "Look at this district; it's so yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's got a little tendril, and it's, a, and it's over here, but the truth is, like, if you look at like voting rights districts, they'll do that to try and keep exactly. populations together, right? Totally. I, I think the best example to look at here is. Illinois'
0: fourth congressional district. Mm. It looks like this weird jaw, the skeletal jaw trying to, like, eat Lake Michigan. And <laughs> she's like, oh, no, people actually call it the earmuffs. And I didn't think earmuffs because it, it's horizontal. So if you flipped it that way, they look like earmuffs, oh. like two big chunks connected by basically this string. Uh-huh. It looks really tacky. It's running up a highway. But this was drawn by Democrats to unite two similar but geographically, you know, apart uh, Latino districts. Right and to create some sort of cohesive block. And it's actually, if you look at it that way, it's a very good, helpful district.
1: Yeah, it gives, it gives that community a voice.
0: Right, so in the end, the question is, how do you distinguish between what's giving a community a voice and what's straight-up scandalous cheating?
2: It all starts with designing districts around real communities that have something in common with each other. Mm. It turns out that's really hard to do, when you're a legislator, focused intently on the next election. And that's why
0: time and time again, gerrymandering has ended up in front of the Supreme Court of the United States. The nine justices in D.C. have to do what Congress doesn't really care to.
2: The Constitution does not require the fox to guard the henhouse.
0: This is Justice Stevens back in 2004.
2: Partisan gerrymandering, like the English rotten borough, Enables representatives to choose their constituents rather than vice versa. It is an invidious, undemocratic, and unconstitutional practice.
0: The case was Veith versus Jubileer as the last time the Supreme Court dealt with partisan gerrymandering, and Justice Kennedy in Vith versus Jubileer basically said you legal community of America need to solve this for us, or we are in big trouble. I don't recall legislators
2: talking about what neutral standards ought to be. Now we have in our own jurisprudence we talk about contigu- contiguity, geographical com- compactness, but I just don't think we have a, a, a large source on which to draw. We know about numbers—one one person, one vote—but beyond that, I, it, it
0: seems
3: to me that we're at sea.
0: And the justices objectively looked at C. trying to fix this in Veith versus Jubilee. These are people who love rules, they love tests. So they came up with a whole bunch, and no one could agree on any of them. They were looking at the big statewide picture versus the local little picture. They were using racial standards from the Voting Rights Act and not. It was like a hot mess of social science. And Kennedy could see this.
2: And what he said is, sitting in the middle, as he often is, uh, the most powerful man in the country by many stretches, the courts should be in this business, yes, but I haven't heard a standard that lets us decide how much is too much yet, so give me some. It was as public a plea to lawyers to bring cases to help him work through the appropriate test as I think anybody's ever seen.
0: It was sort of like this public challenge, like, who out there can solve this? And, and now, we may finally have a solution. Allow me to introduce the Efficiency Gap Formula. The Efficiency
1: Gap.
3: efficiency Efficiency Gap Formula. Efficiency Gap Measuring.
0: The Efficiency Gap is essentially this relatively simple math equation for measuring partisan gerrymandering. The idea is, if the justices want to know, was this district fairly drawn, or are some legislators up to no good, all they have to do is grab a calculator, plug in a few numbers, and bam, they get their answer. Two political scientists came up with it, and then a bunch of mathematicians weighed in on it. And one of them was Professor Moon Duchin.
3: You can call me Moon or Professor Duchin.
0: She works for Tufts University in Boston.
3: I do geometry, topology, group theory, and dynamics. So a little bit of everything across the math spectrum.
0: Just as a heads up, what follows does acknowledge the existence of a math spectrum. Moon co-authored a paper titled A Formula Goes to Court, which is essentially what's happening here. The Supreme Court's going to consider whether this efficiency gap formula passes muster. Is this equation a reasonable standard for measuring partisan gerrymandering? And the efficiency gap formula does that in a couple of different ways, most importantly, by measuring what's called wasted votes.
3: And wasted votes, by definition, they are the number of votes that you got Minus 50% if you won. In other words, they're the votes that you wasted while winning. So if Republicans got 60% in a district, the wastage would be 10%. Okay,
0: Okay. So, so if I got 10 votes but only needed 5, I wasted 5.
3: Or they're all the votes if you lost. So in that same district, the Democrats got 40%. And so that was 40% wasted because right. it didn't go towards electing a Democrat, right?
0: Okay, so wastage for the losing side is basically... All of the votes
3: in a race where you lost, yeah? That's how wastage works. And then the efficiency gap is quite simply, you take all the wasted votes for A across the entire state, all the wasted votes for B, and you take the difference as a proportion of the total turnout. That's it. That's it. That's the efficiency gap. That's just
0: like subtraction. That's
3: it. It's party
0: A's wasted votes minus party B's wasted votes divided by the total number of people who voted. That gives you a number that measures gerrymandering.
3: It's, it's addition and subtraction with a smattering of division. It is so not scary.
1: So Republican wasted votes minus Democrat wasted votes divided by the total number of overall votes. Yep. That's the that's efficiency gap. That's what we're trying to measure here, yeah. Yeah. Why would that work as a measuring of gerrymandering?
0: So uh, let's take a look at a purple state like Wisconsin, where, you know, you have Democrats winning and you have Republicans winning, and they're both wasting votes. They're both winning elections, losing elections, and in in each and every one of those races, they're wasting votes because a wasted vote is anything over 50 if you won, 50 percent, and Anything you lost if you lost, right? So wastage is happening across the board. But theoretically, it's happening on both sides, so all of the wastage should be canceling out. In Wisconsin, we have this picture where Democrats won 53% of the vote but only won 39% of the seats. So Democrats were wasting a lot more than Republicans. Tons more. And that might mean that there's sort of this pattern of wasted votes across the entire state. The entire map might have been drawn to favor one side.
1: Oh, so is that like if you plug in the numbers in the equation, you, if you get a big number, that means lots of wastage, You get a little number, that means zero. Is that is that essentially it, or is it something like that? Nailed it. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So it literally is like, do 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 boop Oh, wasted. You know what I mean? It's like, is it like that?
0: Yeah, but there's actually a way that we don't need the do-do-do-do-do-do-boop. Uh, Moon's got an even easier way to understand the
1: sufficiency gap. Huh. A shortcut. Are you going to tell me what it is?
0: Do you want to know what it is right now?
1: No, after the break. After the break.
0: Okay. Great.
4: More Perfect is supported by NetSuite. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service... The more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So, to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, Back by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash more perfect. netsuite.com slash more perfect.
2: This is Ira Flato, host of Science Friday. For over 30 years, the Science Friday team has been reporting high-quality science and technology news, making science fun for curious people by covering everything from the outer reaches of space to the rapidly changing world of AI, to the tiniest microbes in our bodies. Audiences trust our show because they know we're driven by a mission to inform and serve listeners first and foremost with important news they won't get anywhere else. And our sponsors benefit from that halo effect. For more information on becoming a sponsor, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org.
1: This is More Perfect. I'm Jad Abumrad here with Sean Ramos Firm. Uh, we're talking about the ancient problem of gerrymandering and how um, a solution may be about to fly into the Supreme Court on the gleaming wings of math. You mentioned that there was a, there was a short, shortcut. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, if you, if you don't like the math that we were doing earlier with the efficiency gap, um, Professor Duchin gave me this, this sort of handy workaround that'll probably make it a lot easier um, to understand the whole wasted vote thing. Cool. It just involves comparing how many votes you got in a race to how many seats you got in that same race.
3: All you have to do is take your vote margin and double it. Efficiency gap tells you that should be your seat margin. So you got 53% of the votes, yeah. let's say. So that's a margin of 3% over yeah. halfway. Okay. Yeah. Double it, you should get 56% of the seats. Huh? If you get, try this with me now, yeah. you get 60% of the votes. So how many seats should you get?
0: Okay, so I got 60% of the vote. I needed 50% to win, so I subtract that off. I got 10% left, and doubled. That's 20%. And then I add back the original 50%. I won, and that's 70% of the seats. You got it. But why not just why not just 60%? Why did
3: I double it? So that's an excellent question. And what's, yes! what, what <laughs> these guys have a kind of complicated answer to that. Although it's interesting, they say, well, if you look at elections. Doubling the margin is what actually tends to happen, they claim.
0: Okay, so by these guys, Professor Duchin means Stephanopoulos and McGee, the dudes who came up with the efficiency gap. What they say is when you look at elections across the country and compare how many votes the winning party gets to how many seats the winning party gets, the winners tend to get some extra seats.
3: This idea is called a seat bonus. The idea that if you win by a little, you should get a cushion in your governing majority. Right. So it's
0: like our system's kind of funky. Let's, let's roll with it. And here we baked the funk into the, into the
3: formula? We baked in the funk. I love it. That should be the subtitle. <laughs> Genius of branding. <laughs> um, right. So they're taking something descriptive. This is what actually happens. Okay. And then they're turning it around into something normative, which says this is what should happen. Huh. So,
4: well, let's look, at, let's look at Wisconsin. The court said the gerrymandering, quote, did in fact prevent Wisconsin Democrats from being able to translate their votes into seats as effectively as Wisconsin Republicans.
3: So Wisconsin in 2008, Dems get 57% of the vote. So what percent of seats should they get?
0: This is according to the math we just did?
3: Yep, you can do it.
0: Okay, 57, <laughs> ditch the 50. I got 7 times 2 is 14. Plus the original 50, uh, what, 64% of the seats?
3: You got it. Exactly. Oh, God. I'm just
0: so nervous now that I'll get it wrong. I
3: I have this effect on people. (sighs) Okay. Um, Instead, in 2008, they get 52%, Okay. And so that suggests that viewed through the lens of efficiency gap, things are stacked against them by quite a bit. Okay. Right? And so that's how this works. It becomes only a way to compare your vote margin to your seat margin.
0: Now, Moon's feeling about all this, the efficiency gap, the shortcut, it's its a good start, but it's just the start.
3: I, you know, I really respect the effort to take something so complicated and boil it down into a single number, but it fundamentally can't be done that simply.
0: Because people are way more complicated than just one number. We are, we are geography, we are history, we are race, we're so many things.
3: You're going to need a few different metrics at once the fear is that that's what the court's been allergic to, is if you have several different metrics, how do you combine them and how do you decide when enough is enough? By good fortune, we're now finally in a position, you know, it's been a long time that partisan gerrymandering keeps being, like the, the can keeps being kicked down the road by the court. Uh-huh. And the good news is they may have sort of postponed and delayed just long enough that now we have some really good alternatives. So one of the most promising things that's coming down the pike is um, the use of computers for people have dreamed of this for decades, but computing power just hasn't been nearly ready to contend with the big data of the redistricting problem. That's because we're doing some phenomenally complicated combinatorics. We've got this. What was that word? <laughs> combinatorics. That's what. I don't <laughs> even know what that is. <laughs> that's what. That's what mathematicians call the art of counting.
0: Oh. The Supreme Court isn't quite at combinatorics, but if Justice Kennedy likes the efficiency gap, the court's decision could dramatically change the way states draw lines. And if the court can embrace this standard, Moon's hoping it will go for others down the road, ones that more fully consider all the kinds of connections that make up a community.
3: And there are just phenomenally many ways to break down millions of people into Dozens of districts. If you just enumerate all the possibilities, that's the biggest data you're going to find, bigger than medical problems, bigger than astronomical problems. Hmm. So asking a computer to really understand all the possibilities has been out of reach. But what's happened recently is both computing power and the algorithms used to study this have been getting better and better. And um, folks have understood how to constrain that search space more. So what we're moving towards is a time when we'll be able to cut down the space of possibilities that you have to search. And at the same time, computers will be getting more powerful until those meet in the middle, and computers can really see all the possibilities.
0: So when we're saying these numbers are are, are too big for mathematicians to even wrap their heads around, we need computers.
3: Oh, no, other way around. (laughs) Mathematicians are very comfortable. We're not even comfortable with infinity. It's the computers that have had to catch up.
0: (laughs) Oh, sorry. Okay. So when we're saying the computers need to catch (laughs) up, how do we expect nine Supreme Court justices to get it right?
3: Well, no, here's the thing, right? So what happens when computers can really explore the space of possibilities is that they can build a bell curve of the properties of all the different maps.
0: So computers are going to do it for us, create maps upon maps upon maps that together will give us an idea of what a district should look like.
3: And then you'll look at Wisconsin's actual plan the legislature enacted, and you'll see where it falls on the bell curve. Is it in the nice meaty part in the middle? Or is it an outlier that's just out along the tail of the bell curve? Mm -hmm. That's pretty persuasive and that's a kind of outlier analysis that should be pretty comfortable for courts because they do this all the time for other kinds of um, legal standards.
0: What does a perfect district look like? What is something that Mm. is just – that anyone regardless of political ideology could look at and say, oh, yeah, that's fair.
3: Yeah, good question. I mean, so it's fun to do the Rorschach blot version Mm -hmm. of (laughs) detecting gerrymanders where you, you know, in fact, one of the things that my group is working on is like a swipe left, swipe right app for voting (laughs) districts. You're going to see a district, a little bit of information and decide if you think it looks hot or not. That's hilarious. (laughs) That's great. Do you have that? Can I play? Uh, coming up, coming Tender right up. for
0: congressional <laughs> districts.
3: Exactly. We're calling it gerrymander. <laughs>
0: Without the E. You got it. <laughs>
3: Very good. That's right. I, so, right. I mean, that's always going to be fun, but um, just that contour isn't always showing you what's really going on. It's not just the outline. It's also where the people are and how they're split, right? It's yeah. the guts of the district and not just its boundary that's got a lot of information about its legitimacy. Um, so we're, we're trying to throw a lot of... 20th and even 21st century math at the district rendered as a graph or a network. And we think that's going to produce some new insights.
0: Before that happens, does the Supreme Court have to say in this Gil v. Whitford case, hey, partisan gerrymandering is, is wicked unconstitutional?
3: <laughs> well, the court has already told us that partisan gerrymandering is is justiciable, that they can, they can throw out plans as partisan gerrymanders. They just don't know how yet, huh. right? Yeah. And so this case came up with Efficiency Gap as its centerpiece, in the future, cases may come up with outlier analysis as their centerpieces. There are going to be more than one uh, bite at this apple. Okay, I regard Efficiency Gap as a great step towards convincing courts not to be scared <laughs> of adjudicating partisan gerrymanders. It's, it's a really good opening salvo.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for all your time. I can't wait to download Gerrymander <laughs> and meet my
1: next favorite district that's
3: right that's right (laughs) great great talking to you
1: John Ramos Supreme Court audio in this show is from Oye a free law project in collaboration with the Legal Information Institute at Cornell leadership support for More Perfect is provided by the Joyce Foundation additional funding is provided by the Charles Evans Hughes Memorial Foundation I'm Jad Abumrad More Perfect will be back next week